This is Pivot Perspectives with Chris O'Byrne, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on their road to success and get exclusive access on how to implement their success into your life and business. Pivot Perspectives is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Chris O'Byrne. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Ducharme. I'm really glad to have you here today. Yeah, this is awesome. I love it. So you shared your background with us before, but today I'd like to dig a little bit deeper. What's the story behind the Synergy Learning Institute from conception to where it is now? Yeah. So, gosh, I'm trying to think back. It's it's been about 10 years. um, And I was a chair over three different divisions for um, a university in San Diego. And uh, as you know, San Diego is a really heavy um, military town, um, active and retired. And uh, so I had some different professors coming to me that would say, you know, our, our veterans are really struggling in the class with transition. And I automatically thought, oh, transitioning back into school. They haven't been in school a long time. And they'd say, no, no, with other aspects of life. And they were telling me that this different struggles that students were sharing with them. And, and I was honestly naive to it. Um, I had grandfathers and uncles who were all in the military, but they never shared or appeared to have any issues, you know, coming back into civilian life. I'm sure they did, but I was a younger child, so I didn't see that. And um, so I was a little caught off guard. I didn't know exactly what to do with it. And so I went to the higher ups at the school and I said, listen, is there anything we can do for our vets? Maybe we can create a course which will help them. And they just really weren't interested in it. Their words were, there's no money in that. And I was a little shocked because I thought to myself, well, if you help the students be successful in all things, you know, one of the things that schools like is they want to make sure that their retention rate is good that their graduation rate is good. And then also that students continue on to a job. Guess how we get money as a school? All of those things, right? So if we're getting money from the government, our retention rate and graduation rates have to show positive. So to me, it just made sense to create some type of way to bridge that gap. Now, there's lots of groups doing this. Obviously, groups like Wounded Warriors do a phenomenal job with people transitioning back from, you know, physical wounds. Um, You know, there's a long list of groups. And I started to really get into the veteran community in San Diego. And there's a coalition with like 150 companies. They do water therapy. They do uh, physical therapy. They some do like what's called like a new type of boot camp, a mental boot camp. I mean, there's just great groups out there. But every group could only handle so many people. And on an average, we have 2 million veterans transitioning out of the military per year. And we have 2 million going in. So that's a lot of veterans that need support. So as we started talking about this, my first thought was, I know academia, I've been in academia for 23 years. I, I run colleges, I do courses. How could we educate them? Like what's the side of education I could bring to them? And that's where I started because I wasn't a psychologist and I didn't have a lot of experience in working with military. All I knew was really that education can bridge the gap in all sorts of places. We talk about it all the time in low-income communities that once we educate, we start to see success. And that's where my idea kind of stemmed. I tried to build it out with a few other people, but because they were military as well, they got moved and deployed and um, it just wasn't within their purview to be able to do it. So, uh, you know, I was talking to my father who's been in academia a long time as well as a college professor And he called me one day and he said, you know, I know you're talking about starting this school. Well, the VA called us and they've got six guys 
who need to be trained and they only have a thousand dollars per guy and all these programs are too expensive. Do you think we could do something? And I was like, yeah, let's figure it out, you know, blind leading the blind. And so my father, who had been an auto auto mechanic instructor for years, and I had been, you know, instructor, dean, chair, you name it. We got together and these guys had all worked in some type of form in the auto mechanic divisions within the military. So we created um, a course for them with the help of my father and, and Bakersfield um, college professors. And we actually ran it out of a hotel in Bakersfield. So we did the classes in, in hotel. And then we had the cars outside where they could come and do demonstrations with them. And so we had everything from like a 60 year olds to a 20 year old who was like a mechanic on on planes. And so we ran them through this program. They all graduated. We did the graduation ceremony at the hotel there, this little tiny ceremony. I drove in, we did it, gave them certificates, and then we helped place them into jobs. And that was basically our first ever program that we wanted to do. And so we tried to actually create this automotive program because it was such a success, but the cost to create an automotive program is exorbitant. The locations, the the equipment you need, you need hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we tried to pair with some other colleges, but we kind of got the same pushback. They didn't really want to deal with that. And so um, that was our first program. And then we kind of put that on the side because we were like, we need hundreds of thousands of dollars to run this. And we've been open like six months. So um, we put that on the side and then I went back to San Diego and I thought, gosh, I've got all these organizations. How do I partner? No reason to remake the wheel or anything like that. And um, that's kind of where we started and we just started building. And so uh, we would partner with other groups and and we would meet the needs of the VA. And um, as we grew, then that's where we started creating our own programs and doing that. But um, it's very much been a labor of love because I said, hey, let's start a college. How hard could it be? And uh, then I was like, yeah, so it's a little harder than I thought. Yeah. So um, it's been about it's probably been about 12 years now. But yeah, it was it was a real labor of love building that out. And we're still growing. We're still building. We're still learning. Um we now have, I think, 36 accredited courses that we've partnered with universities at. So um, that's a great thing. We are not GI Bill approved because there are some very stringent rules to that. You have to be by a base. You have to run a program nonstop for two years straight. Well, we've had COVID for the last three years, so we couldn't run any program on ground by a base for three you know, two years because it wasn't allowed. Um, so we had some setbacks like that. Now we're getting back into it, but, but that was really the idea and the conception and it's, it's grown into something that I, I couldn't imagine it growing into. And, um, we are right now in the growth of like, where do we go next? How, how, how do we branch this out? Um, because everything I do, I don't take a salary as a president of the organization. Um, and everyone who currently works for Synergy does not take a salary. They have volunteer their time. So we're trying to see how we can shift into something that would bring in full-time salaries in order to let people fully dedicate their time to the school. So that's that's kind of how it how it started. So why Bakersfield? Well, that's where my yeah. So well, that was where the VA was that had the first round of guys who needed help, and that's where I realized that even though I'm in San Diego, we needed to be open to create programs outside of San Diego. Um, And it was an interesting request. This is a learning lesson. Again, I had no idea that the VA was limited on funds, you know, for students and what they could do because an HVAC program is $20,000 to go do as a student, you know, um, uh, electrical and plumbing, like those are all $20,000. They're not cheap. And 
there's all the bills, like when you transfer out your GI bill and all that, there's different ones per years. So these guys didn't have the right type of GI bill to pay for that $20,000. And so the VA was like, well, we've got a thousand dollars to get you trained. Um, now, luckily my father is an incredible automotive instructor. And so he for years had worked with a group where they train people and then they get them placed in jobs. And he had a hundred percent placement rate for years. And so he was really the expert on this and said, I know how to get these guys trained and help them get a job to get them started. And then, you know, get them into, we got them into like car dealerships would hire them. Well, then if you're working at a car dealership, you get a lot more training and um, things that I didn't know, like when you're working for different places, a lot of times you have to buy your own equipment and bring it in as an auto mechanic. And so we found places where they didn't have to do that so they could get out. So, I mean, he was just really the genius behind that program. And I would love to bring that back. Um, but we really need dedicated locations and hundreds of thousands of dollars, which isn't unachievable. There's grants for that. Um, but um, space is difficult, uh, particularly in San Diego. <laughs> To, oh, to get yeah. a spot. And so like I said, COVID kind of put us behind, but we're fully online right now, but we're really trying to get locations by basis. So then we can get programs GI bill approved, but that's the struggles you have to be within like so close to a base. So for example, I live by the Navy SEAL bases. No one is allowed to be next to the Navy SEAL bases. <laughs> so like, I have to like, you know, measure down and be like, so can we be like a mile? Because that's all, you know, like top, top secret stuff you can't get into, you know, we, we'd have to be at the rec center. So those are kind of, those are some of our struggles. And of course, any type of credit accreditation costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. So what we're trying to do is be smart partner, instead of spending all that money on accreditation, spend that money on our veterans and use our accredited partners to help us do that. Because if not, we just become like any other school where we're spending millions on accreditation, millions on all those things. And then our programs really don't have the impact that they could have. Yeah. Yeah. The accreditation process is definitely expensive. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's quite the racket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So that's where we're, I, I purposely have kind of kept us smaller as a technical vocational college and we're finding the partners. We work with uh, Bellhaven University, uh, Forbes Business School of Technology. We worked with for a while. Um, USD has always been amazing with taking on courses or programs that we think we would love for them to credit, and then our people can take through them. Um, so we've been doing all that. We've also been having veterans create courses for us, which is really cool because that's a great success model. Is we have veterans creating courses for us, teaching courses for us. And so that attracts other veterans and it, and it encourages our, our veterans to realize they have, you know, a, a plethora of ways to give back. They have so much information and talent that they can teach us. And the biggest issue is them understanding that they have so much more training than anyone out there. I mean, I sat the last couple of months, I sat in with a talk with the secretary of the Navy, um, <clears throat> you know, heads of, I just sent in a talk with the head of the Navy SEALs. And really interesting is they always say, you know, why wouldn't you want to hire our vets? We've put millions of dollars into training them. And that really caught my attention because I was like, you're right. These, these vets are coming out like super trained. Like, I don't need to go spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Training. They're already trained. I just have to harness 
what they have. And that's really what we're trying to do is go, listen, you guys are so trained, you know, leadership, you know, teamwork, you know, logistics, you know how to work under pressure right now. You've just beat out all 300 of those applicants because nothing's going to be as hard as it was in the military for you. You know, this, this is going to be a walk in the park compared to what you were doing before, but we just have to help you harness it because sometimes they get very one-minded. Well, my job was this, and that's what I was told to do. Yeah. But within your job, you have 12 levers, levels of training. And so that's really, I think the uniqueness of what we do is we're really harnessing that where you can go to any college and get any degree and don't get me wrong. I love colleges. I've been college presidents, all that stuff, but oftentimes colleges don't really necessarily help our veterans harness their talents. They just go get a degree like, okay, I need to go get a degree and that's what I need to do. But I think if veterans could understand you know, hey, I was running logistics for multi-millions of billions dollars of equipment and warehouses are, you know, that's a, a huge commodity that I would want, you know, from someone. And and that's where we're trying to differentiate ourselves. We don't need to become a huge, giant, multi-million dollar school to make impact. We can do it on a smaller level and still have a lot of impact. So that's that's kind of where we've been growing with this. So what are some of those responsibilities uh, that you have as your role as the president? Yeah, a lot <laughs> because, yeah. because we're a small crew. So obviously um, building strategic partnerships, um, which, you know, as you know, we're working to hopefully build some strategic partnerships with SSA um, as we helped host the last camp. So, um, you know, we dream to have some locations like SSA when they build it, that we could have a hub there for veterans, um, since there's going to be a college there, it'd be great to, to be able to start getting our feedback on the ground. So a lot of strategic partnerships. I mean, I have my hands in every aspect of the nonprofit right now, since we all volunteer our time. So that's everything from looking at how we market, looking to how we budget, you know, how can we, um, you know, make things happen for less money and have more money for our veterans on the impact, um, I think that's really key. And then, of course, I do a lot of networking. So I attend, as I mentioned, you know, every month I attend the SD Mac meeting. There's a coalition of like 150 veteran group that I attend regularly. Um, I'm constantly having meetings with just different heads of all sorts of departments, whether active or not active, to get our our feet. You know, we'd love to get back on the basis, you know, um, at Camp Pendleton and all these different places. But once again, COVID cut that all out. They're starting to open it up. So we're trying to, we're really having to rebuild, but you know, if we can get a space on base where we can work with any, any military that are, you know, a year out of transitioning, that's great for us. And I mean, I live in between two Navy SEAL bases. So, you know, we're, I mean, right within like 10 miles of me is four bases. So we're trying to just rebuild that. And then of course, um, constantly working on grants and funding. So like I said, our next step really is we want to start putting, full-time people in full-time positions um, to help it grow even more. But I, I do right now have my aspects, my hands in just about every aspect because we're all volunteering our time. And like I said, when I started to build this out, it, it was no, I just thought we'd teach some classes. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> we'd teach some classes. I didn't expect it to grow in this way, but it speaks to the need that's out there um, is that it's that we don't necessarily need some, you know, giant multi-million dollar facility, what they need are services. And, and then of course, as you know, we've grown our uh, women veterans service side, <clears throat> which those programs are very rare in the U.S. I'd say we're probably one out of maybe five or six programs within the U.S. Um, 
that focus on women veterans. And um, there's, of course, a huge need there. <clears throat> We're partnering with groups like um, Save the Girls, which provides, you wouldn't think that this is needed, but it really is. So it provides not just women veterans, but domestic violence, um, women who've experienced domestic violence, homelessness. They gave out 90,000 bras last year and 300,000 um, menstrual products. And you don't realize the need for that until you start looking at their numbers, you know, and so, and we're partnering with, we're trying to build out a program called Pantry Heroes, which is where we have people with home pantries around the nation that have things like food, diapers, baby formula, um, because we get calls from women veterans who say, I just lost my job and I don't know how to feed my kids. And so we're getting even more into that. So we're starting to get not only have the education, but services where we can direct them to partners or say, Hey, Oh, you're in Texas and San Antonio. Well, we have a pantry here though. You can go on over there and fill up with a box of food, diapers, um, things. We're starting to create, um, clothing pantries for women who want to do job interviews, but maybe, you know, a suit for a woman is like 150 bucks. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you transition the military, that check stops. That's like, you're done. And you might get your, you have your disability or you have your retirement, but sometimes that takes time to process. And if you live in San Diego here, the cost is exorbitant. I mean, a two bedroom, one bath apartment is $3,000 a month on an average. Yeah. So, I mean, the housing alone, then throw in food, gas, our gas right now is $5 a gallon. Yeah. So, and our transportation system isn't good. You can't get around San Diego effectively on a bus or a trolley. So these are some of the things that, you know, uh, and then most, I don't want to generalize this, but statistics say that around 80 to 90% of women who transfer out of the military are single moms. So that's another dynamic and it's a very interesting one, but that is something we run into. So those are areas that were expanding because I always used to partner with groups who could take them on and do that, but those groups are maxed out. So they're run, they're like at their level. And so that's why we decided we needed to start seeing if we can work with our community to create hubs of people who don't mind holding on to a little extra food, a little, you know, extra clothing um, and things like that. And then bringing in people who want to help teach them interviewing skills, because as trained as they are, the interviewing skills are a little different than when they go out into a regular job and resumes. It's an interesting thing. You know, I, I got a that resume resume the other day and there was literally no white on the paper. And I was like, <laughs> it was like five pages long. And I was like, this, this is the great skills, but it's about size two font and nobody's going to read. Like we got to trim this down because you have all these skills and you put every single skill but this isn't the type of resume that someone's just going to throw it out, you know? And so we sat down and worked through that. So those are some of the new things that we're working on expanding and creating hubs and bringing in community partners to do um, on that aspect too. But we, I would say that our women's program has a very unique aspect to it. That is, like I said, rare to most programs across the U S. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was pretty eye opening. So I mean, you clearly have a really strong background in starting and running an education organization. So how did you become involved in the Steinberg Sports Academy? Well, so I've been working with uh, Ray um, Powers, who had become one of our partners, our accrediting partners that we were using to accredit our classes for Synergy. 
And uh, Ray and I both have a passion for obviously education. Um, my husband's been an elementary teacher for nearly 20 years. So he'd see the young version of um, me teaching college. I'd get him, or, you know, I'd get him in the college version, which I'd give him a hard time and be like, um, can we work a little harder on those guys? Like I'm getting your students and there's a little work that needs to be done. So we would joke <laughs> about that. Uh, and so we were seeing what Ray and I, and even my husband saw is the evolution of students. And what we were seeing is that the education system was starting to break. We were really seeing more um, past the student, no matter what, even if they have issues. Um, there was a there was a lack of looking at how we can change the way that we educate kids to take them up. It was more we're just going to cattle all this through, just run them through and get them to the next person. And my husband, of course, if you got to see him in the classroom, he's like Miss Doubtfire. He's just this interactive teacher. I mean, he teaches kids how to, um, he takes kids that are like are at the bottom of the barrel who can barely speak English. And he has his whole class performing at top during when it comes to testing time. And he just has these methods that are work really well, which now he's, of course, starting to open up to the public and we've got him to start his own website and we're like, hey, everyone needs to know this. But he's he's transitioning to a view of wanting to teach teachers how to, to teach, right? And so we saw this happening. Ray saw this happening. And Ray said, you know, I have this vision of creating this school that's doing things like STEAM and project-based learning. And, and we're changing the way that students learn because we know how they learn well. Schools just aren't implementing it because it costs money. And so when he told me about that project, I was like, I'm in, like, however you want me here, I'm in because one, I know how to build schools Two, I have a passion for education and educating our kids. I have two that are going through school right now. And if I can make an impact, that's all that really matters to me because someone has to start making an impact. We complain about it all day long, but nothing's happening. And if that means we make an impact by making a private school, so we can open the doors and have more control versus having a district run it, then let's do it. And that's how it happened. And um, it's definitely a lot of work. And we're, we're you know, so close to getting the funding in and getting it up and going. We're all working, you know, right now, just like crazy to get it in. Um, and of course, Lee, being able to utilize Lee um, and his his knowledge, the people he works with is so, is so helpful. Because when you're building something like this, you need people like Lee who can say, hey, I've got, uh, you know, Warren Moon, Ray Lewis, you know, they're going to come in and, and help that catches the eyes of parents and kids and helps get the information out there. So, I mean, we both had a passion for it and I knew it was a beast of a project, but, um, and I think Ray said to me, like, are you sure you have time? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I have to make time for this because I believe in it. And like you said, my, I have a great set of skills that I can bring in that complements Ray and uh, we work really well together. He completely trusts me and I completely trust him, which is a fantastic working world to be in. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And, and yeah, now I'm like fully in and we're running caps, we're getting marketing campaigns going and we're doing raises to bring in the money. So um, I, I think hopefully in a month or two, hopefully we'll be breaking ground too. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. So what is your role as the chief academic officer look like? So, yeah, some of the things I'll do um, or I am doing and will do, obviously, is strategic partnerships is a really important aspect for us. Um, whenever you build a school like this, everything from trying to work with companies like Under Armour and Nike to maybe people who want to create an endowment fund for students to be scholarshiped. 
um, all sorts of groups. So strategic alliances are really important. And that's something that that is in my purview. I'm, I'm not bragging, but I'm just good at it. That that fits well with me and my personality and who I am and also my network. Um, obviously, the other side of this is academia. I've designed courses, run schools, all of that. So when it comes to looking at our academic side, um, I'll be involved in that in all, all different aspects. And um, of, of sports as well. Obviously, I played professional sports many years ago. I ran my own club. I've no matter how much I try to quit coaching, I get sucked into coaching. <laughs> so I've coached, I was a college coach for many years, um, all the way down to fifth grade teams with my kids. So I've been immersed in that. Um, so the the sports side is a is a plus for Ray because I know how to run camps. I know professional athletes. Lee obviously knows way more professional athletes than me. Um, but we're able to work together. And because part of this is that we want to get connected with the community and a great way to do that is through community camps. Um, so even if the kids can't come to our school, they could still, they can still get some stellar coaching. So I'm definitely working with that. Um, and then of course, within the CAO, like I said, there's all kinds of other aspects. Those are kind of like three big areas that I'm working in right now. And then as we grow, then we'll probably hire a specific sports person and a, you know, specific things like that. Um, but for now, with any startup, everyone's kind of jumping in. But those are those are three areas that really help Ray. So Ray can be the CEO and focus on the build and the, you know, all those aspects and functions that are literally taking up every moment of his day right now. Yeah, I can well imagine. So what kind of student do you think would be an ideal fit for the Steinberg Sports Academy? Mm, that's a really good question. Since we're even though our um, design of this is similar to IMG in Florida, which is a fantastic school, we've expanded it to be not just sports. So ath athletes are, are great and, and we're you know obviously going to be doing that side of it, but also academics and very much in like the STEAM focus. So, you know, students coming in that want to learn, and obviously we don't have these programs up and going yet, but we, we want to have this where, you know, students are going to learn business, entrepreneurship. You know, um, we've talked about wanting, we'd love to have, you know, um, recording room for students who want to learn to do audio, video, a news anchor spot there where students can learn photography. I mean, just these really great programs that, you know, when you, when we say you're going to graduate with a four-year degree and a two-year college degree, you're going to graduate with that and then other skills um, that these programs offer. So really kids aspiring to want to do anything could come into the school because I call this like the, the, the school where I call this the school where, you know, we're building your dreams because we're removing the limitations when people say, oh, well, go to college, get a job, work in it for 30 years. We're saying, come to school, find your dream, learn it and go do it. And that's very different from the traditional academic system because these kids, if they want to graduate and be starting their business when they're 18 years old, walking out the door, they're going to have the skills to do it. And a dream is to have, you know, capital backers waiting for those students with those ideas coming out. Right. We're saying, you know, hey, Google, guess what? You got like the next best thing walking out. You should come on over here and hear their pitch. And so that's what we're going to do is really do that. And obviously, I've done that a lot with my kids, um, with my daughter writing her first book. Um, you know, both my daughter and son are trying to figure out what business they want to start. You know, they're 11 and 14, but I've told them, listen, sky's the limit. You don't have to wait for permission to be successful. And that's really, I think the philosophy with this school is 
we're going to be bringing in people who have that vision, right? That are going to nurture. Someone comes in with an idea, they might be the next, you know, we have 12 year olds on YouTube making millions, millions. Of, so why not? You know, it could be the next thing that, you know, changes technology or saves cancer or, you know, why not nurture that in that environment? So when I think about, you know, kids and coming into the school, I mean, sports was a huge part of my life. It changed the way I am. It definitely helped me succeed. And that was for me, that fit me as a person. I wasn't a huge academic person at that time in my life, but then I had friends who were really that, like they thrived on that. So I think it really opens the door for just about any kid who really wants to do something to come on in and do that. And so I I would say that kids who are serious about wanting to go after their dreams and are willing to put in the work are the type of kids that are going to want to be at this school. Um, Because that's really what I I think that we're going to be doing there. Yeah. They're going to find the support they need. So uh, as a final question, what is your vision of the future of the Sternberg sports Academy? Well, I think uh, mine and Ray's and Lee's, all of it is creating just um, a school where we bring together, you know, exceptional students and help grow them. And I see this school getting to a point where we're going to have a waiting list. You know, people are going to be wanting to get in um, because they're going to see the success level of the students and what we're producing. And um, so I really see, obviously, this school growing and expanding. And obviously, someday, I think we're going to recreate this in all different parts of the country and other parts of other countries. I mean, other countries are already saying to us, like, gosh, we, we want this here, which tells me that there's a universal need in education for kids like this. It's not just the U.S. Um, it's it's across the, the world is people are trying to find ways to help harness kids in their education, in their goals and sports. And so, you know, I look at this and I I see it just being something that's going to take off and probably a model that people are going to try and recreate, which I don't have an issue with. The best compliment is copying and we can only serve so many students. So, you know, once we get maxed out, you know, I see other people saying, well, maybe we should start a school like that. Sure. Start a school like that, because that's how we start really the revolution of changing education, because we just one school can start the fire but that's and that's what I hope it is. I hope we become a school where teachers from all around, educators, coaches are coming to us and saying, what are you doing and how can I implement that in my public school system? And, and that's what I really hope we do. So I see a lot of great stuff on the horizon for SSA. And we have a lot of work. We have a lot of work we're going to do this year. But we have a lot of great people in our networks who really want to be involved. So I'm really excited to hire awesome teachers, you know, bring in, you know, amazing people, coaches. I mean, we literally, I get phone calls every day. How can I get involved with this school? And so that tells me that people see the need and that, you know, we're, we're on to something. So, um, so I see good stuff for the future of SSA. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for listening to Pivot Perspectives with your host, Chris O'Byrne. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advice on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we will see you on the next episode.